Hello, everyone. You made it. We're here. Making an Artist, Episode 1. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Shanna Schramm, creator of Life of the Potty and coach to women-identified creatives. Today on the podcast, we have Stephanie Jensen, who is a wonderful photographer and pretty damn good human being. We talk about everything from failure to the TSA agent supporting your art and life choices. We also talk about creative champions, and I would like to take a moment to dedicate this episode to one of my creative champions. Joyce Coffey was a really wonderful person and was also my high school English teacher, and even though she hated it when I was constantly talking in class, she also made me feel like a writer, and I am really grateful to her, and she will be missed. Thanks, Mrs. Coffey. This episode is for you. Today I have the wonderful, the talented, the always super punctual Stephanie Jensen, <laughs> photographer. And if you immediately need to see some of Stephanie Jensen's work, you can actually mosey on over to lifeofthepotty.com where uh, your your work is featured on the homepage yes. in two beautiful, super fun photos that we took together. Welcome and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. First off, I want to... No, when did you recognize your desire to take pictures and and capture people and things that way? It was kind of a gradual thing for me. I always say that photography found me. I I truly believe that the art that you were meant to create sort of will always find you. And that's because that. photography just kept bugging me. Like it was one of those Ooh. like the opportunities just kind kind of kept presenting themselves mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I started to like take it more seriously that I'm like, okay, this means something. A few years ago I moved to Malaysia to teach English and As one does. Yeah. Just like, just I'm going to zip on over to Malaysia and <laughs> teach English to the children. I know. I talk about it really casually. But yeah, it was a big step in my life. And um, my dad bought me an iPhone. And at the time, it was like the latest one. So that was the only camera I had on me. I love but it. But they say that your best camera is the one that you have on you, right? Yeah, one in your pocket. So my school had like nine weeks of paid holiday. And so every other month, I was like jutting off to another country. And I was using my iPhone. And everyone's like, oh, you know, you have a really good eye for that kind of thing and I was like oh yeah maybe I do um and I didn't really think anything of it and then when I came home I like everyone thinks that traveling is gonna like solve all your problems (laughs) but I didn't know what I was gonna do at all I was like should I go back to being at my desk job or should I continue teaching English did it kind of almost make create a problem in a way because it it did. Yeah, because it shifted you into this new yeah. now person. Now I had all these experiences. Like, what am I going to do with those experiences? Like, what have I learned from that? And what am I going to, like, do to grow from them? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really, like, a, a limbo period for me. I, I bet that felt great. It, it didn't. <laughs> oh, my gosh, no. It felt totally so kidding. bad. I'm sure, it felt horrible. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, so I was interviewing for paralegal jobs, which oh, is what fine. I was doing before. Okay. And... I remember getting the call from my boss that I had gotten the job and I just remember bawling my eyes out because I didn't want the job, but I needed it to survive. And so I took it and I was like, you know, we'll see where this goes. Maybe I'll find an answer somewhere down the road. And so that summer, my brother took me to New York as a gift because he loves New York. He goes there like every other summer. He's like, you have to come. 
and I had just bought a camera. I don't really know why I bought the camera. It was uh-huh. like, I, I want like a nicer camera than my iPhone. And I took it to New York and suddenly like being in New York, like with my feet hitting the pavement, all that, it just brought back that feeling of like traveling solo and seeing things through the lens. It just reminded me of, of how I fell in love with photography and the only bad thing was that I didn't know how to use the DSLR. Okay. I, I was like, I, I had it on auto the whole time, but I got some great images. They just needed a lot of like editing. I thought, well, maybe I should take some classes so I can learn how to use this thing. And I signed up for classes and here I am. Here you are. Yeah. I was doing night classes while I was working at my paralegal job. So Now, question, did you have to wear pantyhose at your paralegal job? I didn't have to. <laughs> was it encouraged? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I hate dressing up for work. It just wasn't me. Right. And I think that's, I love that you went on vacation, or I'm sorry, not vacation. You went to Malaysia to teach mm-hmm. and kind of discovered and embraced and expanded this part of yourself. And then you came home and you're like, shh, yeah. shh quiet. I tried to fight it. So then your brother takes you, and, and, and it sounds like you kind of reinvigorated. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, you still have a day job, and you, but you also do corporate events, and you mm-hmm. also do... You you are a freelance photographer. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you just go to New York for a, a gig? I did. I had a corporate gig in New York. It was just like a dinner event that I shot. And um, I decided to make it into a personal trip and spend a couple extra days out there doing some street photography, and mm-hmm. it was very healing for me. I needed that. <laughs> how do you how do you approach people about taking their pictures in public? Do you say something to them? Like, what are, what are like, the rules on that? I don't know. Sort of still figuring that out. It's very nerve-wracking. Really? I get nervous. I, I get kind of shy. Some people don't want to be photographed, and you can't really tell just by looking at someone. So you miss all the shots you don't take right. If you don't ask them, you'll never find out. But also in the asking, don't you kind of pull them out of the moment that you want to capture? Or do you mm-hmm. take the photo and then... The way I approach it is I usually... I like photographing people that I find interesting. And I don't really have a definition for what that is. Mm-hmm. But if I think that they have a cool look or their outfit is awesome. Or if I saw you in the street with your like mermaid hair, I'd be like, <laughs> Hey, I love your hair. Can I take a portrait? And I would be like, absolutely. <laughs> I love photos of me taken. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, flattery goes a long way, but I only do it when I mean it, you know? Yeah, authenticity, yeah. which I think is is a huge part of being mm-hmm. an artist, right? Because people can smell a rat. Oh, yeah. I, I struggled with that one at, at Riot Fest this year. I was I shot Riot Fest, and I didn't really receive any direction on what they uh-huh. wanted, and so I kind of just was like, maybe I should just do my own thing. And so I, saw, I thought, I'm going to make... Um, a series called Femmes of Riot Fest. Ooh, I saw. Like didn't you post some of those on your Instagram? I posted a couple. They're gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, no, I love them. Um, and it was really hard for me, but I had to remind myself that you know people generally want to be photographed. They come here dressed up, you right. know, looking their best, and so yeah. Yeah, those were beautiful. And so you did you you went in with your own concept. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with a concept? Where do you like source your inspiration? Like so I go a lot of times when I'm running, I'll I'll have an idea pop into my mm-hmm. head. What does that look like for you? That's a tough one because I'm a very visual person, uh-huh. so I I get my inspiration from other visual uh, sources. I'm very interested in, in stories. Like 
I have this weird fascination with wanting to know what people are doing. Like, I see people on the bus and I'm like, where is this person going? Yeah. Where are they coming from? Yeah. What do they do? Yeah. Um, do they hate their wife? Yeah. yeah it's like, totally. what is going on with them? And it's, I think there's actually a word for it, too. There's a word for that fascination. Voyeur? No. no. I think voyeur is like a little creepy. It's a little it's creepy. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little. And that and like the fact that their voices might be unheard. Mm. Like I want to, I want to hear everything. So it's a little visual, but it's also, I don't know, like written maybe. Mm. Like I like writing and. Ooh. Oh, you yeah. are a writer. You tell me more about kind like, of. did you always write as a kid? I did. I always liked writing essays. Like I'd rather uh-huh. write an essay than take an exam. I feel you. You. I think your style is very essay. Yeah. Essayist. Yeah. Did and I that's that something right? that. Right. <laughs> that's something I want to work on more. Um, is writing more, blogging more, telling more stories. So, oh, I love that. And then yeah. you can take the photos that help illustrate the stories. Exactly. Are I mean, I'm already just like, okay, when's your book coming out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Real quickly, I would love to go back to your hustle. How do you stay motivated? And because I think you wake up before anyone else that I actually know. What time do you yeah, get up in the morning? What time right. did you get up in the morning today? Four. Sick. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> I thought it, I, and I haven't gotten used to it yet. Like, it still feels like I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Well, because your body's not supposed yeah. to wake up in the middle yeah. of the night. Can We don't have to say the name of your employer, but mm-hmm. you work somewhere. I work at a coffee shop. I'm a barista. Okay. And people um, get coffee very early in the morning. You yes. actually brought me one. Thank you. It's delicious. <laughs> the first thing I want to do on days that I've gotten up at 4 o'clock in the morning is like lay on my couch and watch Netflix. Yeah. So how do you, how do you I keep snapping? I mean, I snapping? still do that too. Well, um, yeah. I think Netflix has a very important part in everyone's life. Yes. Let's just, we're not like constantly made to go, go, go. I mean, I knew that that was like the moment my relationship became official was when I got his Netflix password, <gasps> to be honest. Let's Ooh, be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he dropped that Netflix password on you. It's yeah. basically the same thing as a wedding ring. Right. <laughs> Seals the deal. Seals the deal. <laughs> so how do you, you know, you've been up since four. How do you keep going? I, I remember this quote. I forget which photographer it came from, but... They said, you're only as good as your last photograph. Mm. And I don't know why, but that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, well, it's my last photograph. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't even remember. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to stay on top of it. And the thing about photography is that I'm always learning. I'm always being challenged. I'm always growing. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't happening with my corporate job. It sure. wasn't. I think that was a big reason why I left. Mm-hmm. So knowing where I was, it it like propels me forward. Does that day job ever help inform your art and what you make and how you make it? So definitely informs what time you make it. It definitely allows me flexibility because I only work 25 hours a week. I'm done. I The nice thing about waking up early is that I'm done by like 11 or 12 in the afternoon. So I have the rest of the day and to the do light. whatever I want. And the light, exactly. Um, so... My manager's really cool about that, too. She's very understanding. Yes. My employer, they, they're used to working with other artists. So if I need next Tuesday off for a corporate gig, she's like, sure, that's fine. No oh, problem. that's great. Um, but, you know, it is a drag. Do you ever get curious about the people that come in and order coffee, or are they just all, like, dicks? Not really. I don't, I don't care about <laughs> 
don't tell that to my boss. Well, we don't know where you work, and um, you know, we'll hide it from your timeline. I don't know. Whatever. I do have customers, like regulars, that are really sweet. Let's take a quick break okay. and go walk the dog. And we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Stephanie started ta- ta- waxing poetically about New York off off uh, recording. So I just had to start recording because, well, welcome back to Making an Artist. <laughs> Stephanie, tell us about New York. So it's not just New York, but I think it applies to street photography in particular, mm-hmm. which sort of like travel photography, um, the way I approach it, but... It's a very like zen moment for me where I'm concentrating on the moment in front of me. I'm not paying attention to anything else. Like I don't have any other worries or concerns. And so it's really a way for me to live in the present. And um, that's very healing for me. It sounds really like it's meditative for you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's also like a kind of a way of like viewing the world because you don't you're looking for that thing that sticks out that thing that stands out so you're sort of waiting for these like beautiful moments to unfold Mm. and that's a very positive outlook like you don't know if something is going to happen but you're waiting for it anyway you're hopeful yeah Ooh, i like that i like that a lot i what do you think of this i've heard of this recently i don't remember who said it but it was definitely somebody famous or something that um creativity is a form of prayer Mm -hmm. what do you think about that yeah I I can see that I mean I'm not talking like you know judeo-christian prayer well you're putting yeah you're putting your sort of intentions out there Mm -hmm. and you're kind of waiting to see if those are manifested or met in some way so yeah yeah, I can see that Anyway, I just think that's what I like thinking about because whenever I'm making something and maybe I'm getting like a little egoic about it, mm-hmm. when I think about it in maybe this prayerful term yeah. or like being in service of whomever I'm trying to make something for, yeah. then I can kind of not be such a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's, that's true. Yeah. I'm going to get really deep and dark with you. Oh my gosh. I love that. Let's go. <laughs> Stephanie does not wear color, by the way. She wears all black, and I love it. Anyway, first of all, can I ask you, like, what did you think of artists? Like, what was your perception of being an artist growing up? Like, what did that, that's, like, did your family, when you were like, hey, I want to be a photographer, were they like, oh, great? That's a, that's a really great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, my parents never encouraged creativity with me Mm. I was raised very poor Mm -hmm. um, so it was always you need to have Mm -hmm. a better life than we had you need to provide your children with a better life than what you had and so it was we want you to become a lawyer a doctor and my mom's a nurse Mm -hmm. Um, so she to this day will tell me that I should still try to go into nursing if photography doesn't work out for me Um, which is hard like Mm. um, but you know she has been supportive she is the one who bought my plane ticket to Malaysia and mom thanks mom yeah Hmm. a one-way ticket to buy your child a one-way ticket that's a big deal (laughs) that that's a massive deal that is like sometimes they just show up don't they like parents like just show up when they when you really need them but she still calls me and I try not to tell her about the struggles of being an artist because I don't want her to kind of say, I told you so, because she'll right. she'll do it. She'll be like, well, 
And she listens to my complaints about my day job. Right. And she's like, well, you should apply for a job with better benefits. And and I'm like, Mom, I was there. Yeah. I was there and it didn't work for me. So yeah. I'm finding something that does. And it's interesting because my mom has always been good at like painting and drawing. Oh. And so was I when I was younger. But it was just something that you didn't do full time. It was more of like a hobby. Right. Thing. She... She's always believed, you know, head down, work hard. She works 12-hour days as a nurse. Jeez. So. Give it up for the nurses. Yeah. Jesus. She's been a midwife her entire life. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, so she's kind of making things in her own way. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I've had to kind of learn to forgive her for that. Mm. You know, I know she just wants the best for me. And, yeah. And she's giving me the advice that she's you know, sort of learned herself. She's doing the best she yeah, can. Yeah, she's doing the best she can. And she bought you a ticket to Malaysia, which <laughs> essentially kind of turned you into artist, so she yeah. totally actually <laughs> did, yeah. did the, did the <laughs> exact opposite of what she probably mm-hmm. wanted. With that in mind, like, because I, I think, you know, how we grow up, you know, what we're kind of told and what we're not told really, like, creates a lot of patterns and things for, for artists. And, and I think... I don't know, like, where, when I say perfectionism, what do you think about that? Oh, gosh. I really struggle with per- perfectionism. Perfectionism looks like not being able to even take your camera out because you're like, I'm not going to get anything good. Or that's that's a really hard one that I struggle with. I'm definitely, I'm a Virgo. Okay. Um, so, yes, perfectionism. Tell the folks at home <laughs> that don't know about Virgos yeah. what that means. We're just... We strive for perfection. I mean, look at my... I'm always punctual. Um, I love that about you, though. <laughs> I think that's when... Because I think some things that we think are, like, bad attributes can actually show up for us in really good ways. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being on time for people is kind of important. Yeah. So. Um, I also get anxiety with posting things on social media uh-huh. because, you know, everything today is about the likes and the hearts and the reactions. And so... Yeah. Like, I see other people's work, and then I'm kind of afraid to post mine because, you know, maybe this isn't worthy enough for social media. Right. And I'm working on that this year. I'm trying to post more and connect with, like, my followers more. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important is to just do your own thing. Stay and... in your lane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't compare yourself to others. Um, Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. yeah I will for sure. steal it right quick. Yeah. Speaking of joy, you had a friend who gave you a good talk, right? You wanted to talk about oh my your gosh. champion, your creative champion. My creative champion is Sarah Minnie. We love Sarah Shout Minnie here Sarah. at Making an Artist. <laughs> She's um, a delight. It was a life-changing conversation. I had just gotten back from Malaysia, and I was working that desk job that I cried. Um, <laughs> and we were out at a bar one night so it was like nothing special but we were standing outside and we were chatting a little bit and I was complaining about my job as usual Mm -hmm. and she said well what do you want to do and I was shocked because nobody's ever asked me that before like certainly not my parents you know my parents always had this path that they wanted me to follow Mm -hmm. um and that's sort of a question that people only ask you when you're like in high school or something so I sort of stumbled over my answer, and I was like, well, I like taking pictures, and I like traveling, and I like writing, and she's like, so go do that. Yeah. And I was like... Like, it's just that 
I just couldn't believe that, you know, this is like, you go do that, you can do it. And I think that was the obstacle for me was that I didn't, I thought that it would take a certain amount of privilege to be able to quit my job and right. go full time as an artist. Like I, th- I, I knew I would have to struggle. So I think she just gave me the courage to say, yeah, you know, I can do this. And yeah, I think that first of all, like, thanks ceremony. Yeah. And <laughs> because for, well, to be able to like see something for somebody else for a little while so that they can like grow into seeing it for themselves mm-hmm. is a special talent. Yeah. Right. Like that, first of all, you have to like set your ego aside and say, Oh yeah, here, no, you can shine too friend. Yeah. Like, I and just, I feel like she's mm-hmm. a champion for so many people, not just me. Mm-hmm. That's just the way she is. Agreed. I, yeah. I mean, literally any Stephanie, I both know this, know Sarah and, and like maybe like eighty percent of our interactions are her like giving like compliments full of exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> You're like or encouragement. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I just I love to give that give champions a space because we need more of them, mm-hmm. especially especially as women artists yeah. and you know our amplifying voices and mm-hmm. you know as uh, I think the podcast call your girlfriend calls it shine theory. Okay. Yeah. Wait, like, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, shine theory is like the theory that, I mean, I don't know, you know, you shine for, you shine your light on other people. Okay. So it's basically like, here's my hands for your, you know, foot to step up on okay. so you can get up over the fence too. Oh. And I mean, that's essentially what, mm-hmm. what she did. Yeah. She just gave you the swift kick in the pants that you needed. <laughs> I also should thank Ceremony because I got you. You came over to my house, yeah, several months ago, and we took pictures in my bathtub. That was a whole year ago. I know. <laughs> I can't even believe it. And and what I recognized in you was like, oh, she's really willing to yes and and like, oh, let's do this and let's try it like this and let's mm-hmm. you know we were like ripping apart my apartment like making <laughs> things happen and I just I loved that that part of the process with you. Mm-hmm. And that's so. what I appreciate about you is your willingness to do whatever I, like, suggested. Yeah. So your Thank openness. You. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciated that. And we both were open and willing to standing in zero degree <laughs> <laughs> temperatures and taking photos in the snow in a ball gown. Yeah. yeah. It's cold. Um, now that we've talked about something really nice, let's go back to the, the dark shit. Okay. Um, imposter syndrome. Dum, dum, dum. How does that that's... look? What does that look like for you? That's very real um especially my latest my latest example is the new york gig Mm. um i put out my intentions there Mm -hmm. that i wanted to travel this year for work Mm -hmm. and i had no idea that that was going to happen this quickly into the year or even happen at all like I, i wasn't expecting it um because I felt like I didn't deserve it, you know? Like, uh-huh. oh, what have I done to deserve this amazing opportunity? Uh, and so that's, it's, um, yeah, it's bad because, like, then I don't apply for maybe yeah. bigger gigs or... Mm-hmm. Um, Keep yourself small. Yeah. Another thing about imposter syndrome is it, it, it kind of, like you said, it makes me um, present myself as smaller Mm. so I tell people oh I've only been shooting Mm -hmm. for a year Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. um and I try to kind of manage their expectations and make them think that they're not going to get like the spectacular work 
because I don't want them to be disappointed right. when they don't or if they don't. I was traveling somewhere. I was getting uh, going through security at O'Hare and I had my camera out and one of the employees, she's a woman, uh-huh. she goes to me, oh, are you a photographer? Uh-huh. And this was before I was really even getting paid to do things. Right. And so I was like, well, I'm trying to be. <laughs> and I thought it was Aww. cute, but she was like, no, you're, you are a photographer. Yeah. And I was just like, thank you, She's ladies. an angel. <laughs> exactly. Shout She's out to the lady, TSA, TSA agent at O'Hare International <laughs> Airport located on Bessie Coleman Drive. Yeah. We would like to thank you. Yeah. That, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, again, shine theory. She's she like, was like, no. Don't say that. Don't say that. You, you are, are what you say you are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck Yeah. I, I, cause I, I recognize that, like that shrinking back mm-hmm. where you're like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to step into this fully or mm-hmm. whatever because, uh, cause you feel like an imposter, mm-hmm. you know? And so many times where you're like, wait a second, sometimes I have to go back and like read my resume to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you do that? My version of that uh-huh. is to go back and look at old photos that yes. I've taken. And I'm like, I can't believe I shot this. I don't even know how I did it. Like, I'll just stare at the photo yeah. and be like, what What was going on through my head at the time? I uh-huh. don't even know. And I try to, like, connect with that. And, it, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a way that I try to combat it. And also, like, just remind myself, you know, you deserve the accomplishments Yes. And like the New York gig, uh-huh. I took it and I was like, yes, I'm going to make this into like a personal trip too and, you know, celebrate it. And also, I think Julia Cameron had mm-hmm. said in the artist's way, she said, often it's audacity and not talent that moves mm-hmm. an artist to mm-hmm. center stage. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot. It's like, you know, you you just need to put yourself out there. Agreed. And like the other reality is, is that, and sometimes maybe this isn't like the best way to look at, but somebody's always gonna be better than you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like that's just the real, real deal. Holyfield, like somebody's always gonna be funnier than me. Somebody's always gonna take or have a nicer camera than you and be mm-hmm. able to do this. And like all you can kind of do is what you can do. Yeah. And that's really simplistic, but it's it kind of is a little freeing for me because right. it's just like, well, I'm just gonna throw the shit out that I'm that yeah. I want to make. People can decide if it's for mm-hmm. them or not. It's it's a waste of your time and energy to be worried about what other people are doing, and it does affect your work. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, because then you won't, you know, you won't take yeah. your camera out of your bag. You won't right. even make it. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about here. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Is like epic failures. Is there a time that you've like just fucking biffed it? <laughs> like. <laughs> and if oh, you gosh. did biff, how did you recover? How did you? What did it teach you? So this is October of. 2016 October of 2016 I was working with a very prominent corporate photographer in Chicago okay and he had hired me to do a few events and the first two went really well and so he had this confidence in me and he sent me to an event it was an art gallery opening to Mm. shoot on my own Mm-hmm. Or him, like in his in stead. his stead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. So word. this is a really big responsibility, and I, you know, I didn't really think about it. I went in. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do my best, and 
the gallery was very low lit. Ooh, that's not which good. Which is a very big problem yes, for photographers. Please light your events. Yes. You throw events. If um, you want photos taken. Yeah. Um, and so I re- resorted to using my flash for okay. candid photography, which is very difficult because as soon as the people see flash, they, they turn st- uh-huh. and it's very it uncomfortable. Them. And it's already dark in it's there. It's awkward. Yeah, yeah. And it's already dark. So people just look like deer in headlights. So I did, <laughs> I did the best I could. Um, and I don't think the pictures were that bad, uh-huh. but I knew that I had missed the mark. And mm. so I emailed him and I'm like, Hey, I know that I missed the mark on this one. Can you please provide feedback for me? Like, tell me what I did wrong. And he was brutally honest, but it was the stuff that I needed to hear. But, like, because I think there's a difference between, like, good critique and bad critique. Like, was the critique good? Oh, yeah. Like, as in, like, He was very graceful about it. He brought me into his office to talk about it more. We sat down and actually, like, looked at the photos. Uh So it was a huge learning experience for me. Like, I didn't didn't even bill him for that because I felt so bad. I was just like, I, I can't charge somebody for this kind of work. You can go into your next event and be like, hey, I need this, like, lights up mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Like, and I did. For the, the New York gig, it was so dark. We were in this ritzy restaurant, mm-hmm. and it was candles, everything. And I said, hey, if you want genuine candids without flash photography, yeah. it's going to bother your entire restaurant if I do flash. Can you, kick you know, up the lights? kick up the lights? And that's not maybe something I would have asked a year ago you know yeah, I, I probably would yeah. have been like too timid or you know didn't want to step on anyone's toes but fuck toes <laughs> like, who needs toes <laughs> you can actually I think you can probably lose a few and still be able to like run a marathon so you don't need all of them you can you can you can break a few I love that that essentially made you a better photographer mm-hmm. right for sure and he yeah. hired me again Fuck yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Well, because also you like came to him and were honest and mm-hmm. like open and ready for feedback. I yeah. think probably him as a more established artist is like, oh, well, this person's willing to learn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, people will spend the time on you when you're mm-hmm. willing to learn and you're not trying to, you yeah. know, hide yourself all the goddamn time. Let's talk about synchronicity. Okay. So for those of you at home who haven't read or done The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, which I'm like kind of a huge stand for Mm -hmm. like if anyone knows julie cameron is listening to this podcast and wants to slip it to her um i would forever be in your debt because she is my fave Mm -hmm. but she talks about synchronicity which i will now read from the book (laughs) the holy the holy book church the church yeah let's go to church okay cg jung dubbed synchronicity loosely defined as a fortuitous intermeshing of events uh, she says back in the 60s we called it serendipity Ooh, i like that yeah. so what's like your biggest <laughs> example of like serendipitous synchronicity fortuitousness <laughs> that was fun to say <laughs> i struggled with this question because i sort of that's sort of what I'm looking for when I'm photographing. Yeah, like, I feel like yeah. I every photo is a serendipitous event. Yeah, sure. I feel like I experienced like little bits and pieces of synchronicity. Um, I think you you had liked a photo of mine from New York. I was photographing like a yellow building. I love that photo with a yellow truck in yes. front of it, and I was shooting it. I was like standing there, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait for someone to walk by. So I can get like a person in there, and this girl started walking, oh, right. and she had on like this big fur coat and like green hair. I'm like, oh, she looks cool. And as soon as she crossed like 
you know, in front of the truck, I saw that she had yellow, yellow boots yeah. that matched the truck. And I was and just like, this is the perfect. It's such a cool shot. It's such Thanks. a great shot. I, I, that's some, <laughs> I've been thinking about that shot, actually, like a lot. And that's when, <laughs> when you said synchronicity, I was sort of drawn back to that moment. It's like, I was waiting for it and it sort of just happened, yeah. you know. So anyway, Ooh. I guess my, my bigger answer to that would be um, back in, so this is right after that big failure with the big photographer. Uh-huh, uh-huh, in October. Um, I was feeling very down about my photography and not sure sort of what direction I was going to go in. Um, and November, that November, um, I saw that Canvas, the community Canvas, mm-hmm. they were throwing one of their subchroma parties. Mm-hmm. And I looked at past photos at their events and I'm like this looks really cool this looks like something that I would want to photograph Mm -hmm. it's dark it's got cool colors it's it's you know extremely colorful and so I thought you know what I'm gonna buy a ticket to this event and I'm gonna bring my camera and I'm gonna see what happens so I went and I took photos not thinking anything of it and I posted them on Instagram like oh hashtag subchroma hashtag canvas you know I want I wanted people to see them sure my inbox blew up like the director contacted me um all, you know the hair girl the makeup girl the, the models the girls. and they're like yeah we, we want to use your photos for our portfolio and the director said you know can we would love to have you shoot our next event um, you got a fucking yeah. job oh, i, I got a job and and not only that so i shot their new year's eve event uh-huh. um that that December, but then I've been shooting for them all year. Let me just like get a grasp <laughs> on this. So basically, you showed up and were like totally yourself, mm-hmm. and then then you like put yourself out into the world, and then you got a bunch of money from it. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> I made I made so many connections, and I still work with a bunch of. I shot their New Year's Eve event this past January. Um, and it's just been that one event was mm-hmm. just life changing. And I tell I tell anyone who's kind of looking to come out of their like funk, like mm-hmm. just pick an event that you would want to shoot mm-hmm. and just go do it and post the photos to the event page. And someone will always appreciate them. Yeah. And you never know. Like, and God bless a hashtag. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you and using social media. Because I don't, you know, social media can be, like, a horrible thing or it can be mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. And you utilize, you harnessed mm-hmm. it, essentially, to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I love that. That's an excellent story. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> You're so good at this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about bad art. Mm, mm, mm. I love bad art. Do you love bad art? I forgot I what it. I I forgot it's, what I was gonna say. You don't have to know one. what you're gonna say. You can just listen to me wax on this. about how I love bad art. Yeah. Because I think bad art teaches you how to make good art. That's true. Yeah. I love to see a fucking bad play. Like bad acting, give it to me. Yes. Like yeah. have you ever watched Showgirls? No. <gasps> it is a wonderful piece of bad art. Where can I view this? I don't know. I think it might, it might be on HBO Go. I'll give you okay. my password. <laughs> It's so uh, bad. It's like, it's so overdone. It's so campy. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, just bad. And I don't know. There's something about that, for one, that's, like, reassuring that, like, bad art 
gets made and I'll never make anything that bad. <laughs> so just keep making what you can make. <laughs> yeah. Like my favorite bad art, which I don't even know if I can call it bad, is um like uh, comedy burlesque. So yeah. uh, my boyfriend took me to a show called Game of Thongs for <gasps> my birthday a few years ago. It's like, they're yeah. so, it's so problematic so and so wonderful there. at yeah. the same time. <laughs> um, and then we went to see The Buttcracker <laughs> last month, so... Yeah. Tell me about the finer points of the Buttcracker. I didn't know what was going on. Were you just like, so was it a dance? Like, oh, it was a burlesque show. It was a burlesque show. Okay. So they had, they had all of the Nutcracker songs, but they were like re, what's the word for when you like re- Rework. A song. It was like the jazzed up version. Oh, okay. Rearrange. Yeah. Yeah. So they rearranged the Nutcracker into the Buttcracker. (laughs) I don't know if I would call that bad art either. I know, exactly. <laughs> Is there a piece of advice that you would give young Stephanie artists five years ago? Stephanie, what would you tell her? I would say I would be careful of... I mostly would just say not to listen to too many other opinions about, you know, what you should do. Ultimately, like, you need to do some soul searching and really ask yourself what it is that you want and not listen to you know your parents or like Mm -hmm. julia cameron talks about there's a lot of um resistance and that can be in the form of like unsupportive friends Mm -hmm. or something like that Mm -hmm. so um and that was a big part of my reasons for why it took me so long to become a photographer and to call myself a photographer is just that there's a lot of other voices there so listen to your own voice i love that I agree. Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. I'm going to take it. <laughs> I'm take it right now, Just don't girl. cut off your toes. I will. <laughs> I will keep them firmly yeah. intact. I put out a little call on the internet, and this is a segment I like to call Ask an Artist. Anna Marie wants to know, how has embracing your artistry, your artist, affected your personal aesthetic slash, and I wrote this, Luke. L-E-W-K, your look. Oh, my look? <laughs> what? Um, I love this question, and I, I knew that Anna was the one to ask yes. me this question. You can find Anna at Anna and Things on Instagram, by the way. Yes, she's brilliant. It's interesting because before becoming a photographer, I was very bored with my life. And so mm. I think that reflected mm-hmm. in the way I looked. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't care about my hair. I just thought, you know, this is the way it is. I just was bored with everything. So mm. when I suddenly started, like, doing my thing and I found a passion, I think it made me um, take more risks with the way I look. Like, yeah. now my hair is, you know, kind of got a cool thing going on. And, mm-hmm. um... For those at home who can't see, it's blonde <laughs> and... and brown and yeah. like yeah it's like kind of yeah it's I don't funky know what it is it's funky fresh it's like dip dyed yeah there you go but it's not your regular schmegula hair color yeah it yeah. stands out a little bit nobody in this room has regular schmegular hair no <laughs> not at all but yeah so, i just i became more comfortable with myself like that's that goes along with like trusting your own voice it's mm. like what do i think would look cool mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is like i used to dress based on what I thought was trendy or what other people thought was cool and now it's like what do I like um yeah I love that what do I like yeah 
I think that's kind of honestly like how to be an artist. Such, I think we've answered the question and can end the podcast with yeah. one episode. It's it's such it's almost like too simple a question, but it's it's real. I mean But I think that's I think that's the reality of, of creativity is is asking yourself, what do I like? Mm-hmm. You know? Like when I make something I, I'm actually kind of always usually making it for myself first. Mm-hmm. Like I'm making something I wanna watch. Yeah. I mean I I always kept my appearance sort of plain because mm-hmm. I worked in corporate environments mm-hmm. and then I just had a blast with not having to dress up for work anymore yeah. and being able to dye my hair different colors and you know, I just really appreciated that. And also, like, meeting a ton of other people right. who have left their... Cor- it, that's another synchronicity um, answer that I had. Oh. Was, do, do tell us. People was, need to know how they, that they can leave their jobs. Yeah. Like, seriously, it's true. Before, uh, when I was working my desk job, I, I didn't know that many other artists. Uh-huh. And then, all of a sudden, when I quit... I just started meeting so many other people that had done the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, I left my corporate job, you know, a few mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. and Or people that had corporate jobs but wanted to leave, and they they saw me as, like, inspirational. I, I never, like, knew that I was going to meet so many people like that. Yeah, because when you're in the environment of everybody is showing up in this certain way, yeah. the idea of it being any other way than that is... Yeah is foreign. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I have been retired from commercial property management since 2009. <laughs> Good for you. Do you have any upcoming projects? I don't know if I can talk about those right now. <gasps> Why? Are they like not signed? Like, is there an NDA? <laughs> I'm actually working with a mentor. Ooh. Shout out to Oriana Corrin. Yeah. She's the best. Mm, I, I know she and love her as well. Yes. She built We love portfolio. you, Oriana. Yes. Okay. <laughs> She built her portfolio in, like, six months. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been shooting, I think, professionally for, like, two years. And Yeah, and she's, like, getting and it. And she's got all these travel gigs, and she's just doing it. Which so, just goes to show that, like, you just have to start showing up for yourself. Exactly. I'm working with her on developing project. I mean, I have an idea, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of don't want to put it out there yet. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Just in case, like... I get you. I get you. <laughs> I I believe in holding on to your ideas for a while, too, until they're formed enough that if you put them out and somebody says that sucks, you're not going to recoil and stop. And right? that goes with my mantra for the year. My mantra for the year is make moves, not announcements. I just want to get things done. And, and just drop them on us like Beyonce. Yeah, I'm into exactly. that. Yeah. I'm going to drop things on people. Yeah. yeah. Houses. <laughs> <laughs> Portfolios yeah. of fucking killer picks. Yeah, I love I just, it. I want the success to speak for itself. How do you define success as an artist for yourself? Because I know how, like, the patriarchy defines it, mm-hmm. but what what does it look like to you? Um, to me, success is just being able to do what you love every day, hopefully someday full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about being happy and being able to spread that happiness through your work, I think, is being able to like touch people. And that's one of my missions with my photography is I want to use it as a tool for good. I want to like educate people and yeah. up- uplift people and give voice to, you know, unheard voices. Well, I think so you're successful. like probably pretty successful at that then, yeah? And also being able to pay your bills. And- <laughs> I mean, that would be, that's like amazing. Like money is a yeah. thing. But I think being able to, to make things is honestly what makes 
an artist successful, and I think yeah. that you're accomplishing that. So congratulations on your success. If it wasn't in the middle of the day, I would probably pop a bottle of champagne for you. <laughs> but <laughs> actually, who's kidding? Yeah, Who am I kidding? I right. would still drink a bottle of champagne in the middle of the day. You know, it feels like what you said. What did you say you said? You sat across from your boss, your your lawyer yeah. boss. Yeah, a lawyer and, boss. And, and it was the most terrifying thing I've ever had to do was to sit there and just say, like, this isn't working for me. And I think that's interesting because people quit jobs all the time. Do you think it feels the same for them? Or do you think it feels different for us or for you? Because you are stepping in. You at that moment were making a choice to say no mm-hmm. to the norm mm-hmm. and step in kind of to the, right, unknown. the unknown. Yeah. I mean, suddenly it became real. Like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also, like, I, I didn't want anyone to pity me Uh like I I felt like my boss thought oh you know she's kind of taking a step down in some way like I felt like I had to you know prove myself after that too I mean maybe that was motivating for Uh me is just to like be successful in it and my boss actually texted me um about a year later and was like hey are you looking for a job (gasps) I don't know. It was way out of the blue, way out of the blue. And I was like, actually, no, I've been out of the legal world for, you know, a while now. And I was like, but thank you for asking. And I was like, hey, if you ever need some headshots at the firm. I'm your gal. Yeah. Yeah. That felt so good. Oh, I bet that felt great. (laughs) You know what I found was really interesting when I retired? (laughs) At the eight, I was 20, I think I was 27. I love those. Is, and I, I worked. Worked in a downtown high rise. I was assistant property manager of a commercial high rise, and I had my own office. Wow! I know with a door and everything. It was ridiculous. Did you nap? Uh, <laughs> no, but I definitely like kept a graveyard of like heels under okay. my desk <laughs> yeah. because I refused to wear uncomfortable shoes all day. Yeah. And I, this was so striking to me as I was twenty seven. I think yeah, I was twenty seven. And I would have people who found out, I gave my notice really early, like I worked in a really small office and I wanted to give them time to find someone to replace me. And um, people would come in and sit across from me and say, oh, you know, if I was your age, I would do the same thing. And then they would tell me the stories of their lost dreams. <gasps> yeah. Oh my it was unreal. Like I had a guy who sat across from me, he was one of my vendors. And he would said to me, he goes, you know, if I were basically in your shoes, I would have became, this is like breaks my heart because this is so accessible, right? He wanted to become, he wanted to coach. He wanted to coach sports and be a teacher. But instead he worked for a vendor downtown and was like an account manager. And he was like, then started rattling off all the reasons why he couldn't be a coach and a teacher because, you know, he has a mortgage and right. his wife wouldn't let done. him and his kids yeah. and all this. And it's like, and he wouldn't make as much money as he makes now. Yeah. And it's like, well, but do you need all that money? Yeah. Like, couldn't you just live in a smaller house? Like, I mean, that was like my head, you know, mm-hmm. was thinking. And he was probably, you know, 15, 20 years older than me sitting across from me. Just, it was insane. And this wasn't the first, only person that did it either. It was it was more it was Gosh. a few people. So there's a lot of broken dreams out there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of broken dreams running the corporate world. Gosh, I don't even come know over to the dark side, that. everyone. <laughs> it was nuts. It was also really affirming to me because I was scared shitless. 
mm-hmm. to quit. You know, there went my health insurance, like, yeah. later. That reminds me, so I, I always think about this Paulo Coelho quote. Uh-huh, Paulo Coelho, yeah, Paolo. the um, alchemist. Yes, and he says that, tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. Because no man, when he's in search of his dreams, you know, is suffering. Because he, he's like, um, oh, what is the quote? It's like he's one with God or something like that. Mm. And so that kind of gave me a boost, too, when I was going through the whole, like, quitting thing. I was like, well, what if I fail? What if I fail? But, like, I wasn't even really thinking about that anymore because it's like, well, now I know what happens. I'm not, ha- I'm not wondering, like, what if? Where can we like find you on the on the intranets? Okay, so my Instagram is at Steffi. It's my old old nickname. It's S C H T E P H Y Y. And then I'm revamping my website. So um, if you have a business card from me, it's no longer there. The new website is sjphoto.verb v i r b dot com. Oh, I want to yeah. see it. I have Toomey working on my logo, so I'm super excited. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. we'll have to have her on the podcast. Yeah. Next time on Making an Artist. I don't know why I have to keep doing that. <laughs> I love it. Please leave that as like your, your <laughs> as my ending. like bumper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Extreme artistry. Did you come to Making an Artist to hear about how to become an artist? Here's three easy steps. <laughs> I feel like we're on WWF. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I um I found that voice in my day job, nannying. Really? Yeah, I would do it to the kids. And when they were playing with their toys, and I'd be like, extreme race cars. And they, like, love it. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, this is really fun to do. And I haven't found a place in my art to put it, but uh, it'll end up somewhere yeah. someday. Also, like, if anybody wants to hire me as a voiceover artist and give me a bunch of fucking money, you go right that. ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Why not? All right. This is it. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for appearing on Making an Artist, the inaugural episode. I want you as my babysitter. <laughs> Anytime, honey. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you liked what you heard, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things on the internets. Make sure you tell a friend. And if you're interested in learning more, check us out at patreon.com backslash life of the potty. That's how this gets made. Holler at me at lifeofthepotty.com or lifeofthepotty at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. And as my dad would say, talk at you later. <laughs>